to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Standards can pick me up. And then I went to the the Huddersfield Hospital. At that point, the the nurse laid my laid me in my bed. I, I was a little bit calmer. Then the voice started to come back. The voices, "Kill yourself." Pretty much got up. I broke out of the hospital, smashed all the the hospital walls, picked up a chair, did a lot of damage. I threatened the, the nurses that were they were on on shift at three a.m. I broke out of the hospital. I'm a raging lunatic. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. The response from the men's medicine episode has been so incredible, we wanted to also share Fats' story with you. Fats is a friend of our families. He's going to share his story of mental illness, rock bottoms and suicide. I met Fats when I started dating my husband. He was a fellow footy player who'd just returned to Sydney after an incident occurred in the UK. I didn't know exactly what happened, but I knew his close circle were really worried, and it was serious. Today, Fats talks about where the mental illness started, how he spiralled, and at what cost. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. Okay, so tell me what happened in November 2009. November 2009, I was in a, a very dark place, suffering from insomnia, seven nights without no sleep. And we all know when you don't get enough sleep, your mind plays tricks on you. For six months previous, I was suffering from serious mental health issues, was medicated at that time. And November, I was in a very dark place that I, I wouldn't recommend anybody to be. I had enough of this life. Pretty much so. Um, what was your mental health like with that six months prior? What were you suffering? Six months prior, I was, I was a very happy man. I was playing the sport that I love, rugby league. I, I was in, in, a, in a really healthy relationship and we were expecting our first, our first child and that's when things started to uh, spiral from there. Becoming a father triggered memories of my childhood and I had to 
I had to face up to things that happened to me in my childhood, which I pretty much put in the closet. And when you role play unfortunate events as a child, it came all tumbling down, which which ended into my my issues that I had with with mental health. And um, when you said that prior to November, within the six months leading up, you had declining mental health and you were being medicated, what kind of mental illness at that point, six months prior to November? What happened was I, was, I was, wasn't living in the present. I was focused on, on what happened in my childhood and, and I'm, I'm a very confident person. I, when, but when your mind takes over you, when you role play negative events, you lose confidence. And I, I lost a lot of confidence during that six month period and I, I was seeking the professional help. What happened in November was was a build-up of years of suppressing. I've been sexually abused at a very young age of six, and 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 then the responsibilities of becoming a father and the pressures that I put on myself. It, it, it all started to weigh heavy on my shoulders at that time, which led to the insomnia and, and the worry, and, and it wasn't a, a very nice place to be. Did this? This, this, the abuse that you suffered as a child at six, did you just put a lid on that and never spoke about it, never taught, like never thought about it until the pregnancy that you were experiencing? 100%, Zoe. I, I was a, a young six-year-old boy and and at that time, if I, I, I definitely can remember, I... I knew this wasn't right, but I'm six years old. I don't know. I, I don't know, even know how to express myself, and and and, and being vulnerable, I, I I pretty much just put it away and and forgot about it. And I was very fortunate to be surrounded with sport, which kept my mind occupied. And I, yeah, I, I pretty much shut it away until. Becoming a father triggered these these childhood memories. Were you worried about how to raise a child in this world that that could happen to her, the child, or what was it that you were fearing that made this uh, abuse at six connect to the birth of this impending child? It was the responsibility of, of being a father and my role. Am I healthy enough? Am I secure enough? And looking back on my my childhood and and seeing those those what happened to me, being scared that it might happen to my daughter. What happened with your partner at the time? Did you when you started having flashbacks or memories? Did you tell her? Yes, I I told. Vanessa, at that time my fiance and now my my ex-wife. Yes, I, she was the first person that I told, and alongside my my parents. And you know, obviously, she it was a roller coaster for her too, seeing her partner go through a spiral uh, downwards with with confidence and, and and mental health and and having all these dramas with my well-being. It, it, she definitely rode rode the, the the big waves with with me and. Looking back at it now, 10 years on, uh, without her, I would not be here today. Wow. So so all of this obviously um, shifts 
your life. You're over in the UK, you're playing footy professionally, your baby's due, you're dealing with these demons, and then there's a crescendo. There's a moment in time where you snap. I believe they call that like a psychotic break. Could you tell me what you remember, if anything, of that day? My first psychotic episode arriving to England was in our, in our apartments and I, was, I scared the living daylights out of uh, Vanessa, unfortunately. And and uh, I, I my first trigger was I, I thought that my brother had, had killed himself back in New Zealand because of me. This is this is my my psychotic episode, and I truly believed that he, he had killed himself because of me, and I felt that feeling. And I Vanessa called the ambulance. The ambulance came and picked me up, and then I went to the the Huddersfield Hospital. At that point, the the nurse laid my laid me in my bed. I, I was a little bit calmer. Then the voice started to come back. The voices, kill yourself. Pretty much got up. I broke out of the hospital, smashed all of the, the hospital walls, picked up a chair, did a lot of damage. I threatened the, the nurses that were they were on, on shift at 3 a.m. I broke out of the hospital. I'm a raging lunatic. I'm trying to find ways to, to kill myself. I'm running through the streets of Huddersfield at 3 a.m. like a madman, trying to find ways to put myself out of this misery, looking for moving cars to run in front of. But instead, I come across a young man going to work to provide for his for his family. And the voices were full of rage and anger. And these voices told me to hit this unfortunate person. And I, I attacked him. And I hit him with four of the most hardest punches I've, I've thrown. And I knocked him out cold. He dropped. I kept running. And I, I didn't even look back. My mind was full of anger and rage and all these voices. And fortunately, I was stopped by the police, where, again, I was full of rage and anger, and I, I had enough of this life, and this is when I was tasered and, and thrown in the the jail cell, and pretty much in the jail cell, I, 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 was, I, I had enough of this life, so I started banging my head against the wall until my head was saturated with blood. By then, the police knew that I was in trouble, so they took me to the secure psychiatric hospital in Halifax where finally they induced me with some heavy drugs. So without, that was seven days, no sleep, hearing voices, being scared. And that's when I slept. And when I woke up, Ooh, the first feeling that I felt was embarrassment. I knew exactly what I had done. And then I, for that four weeks, I spent in a psychiatric hospital, 24-7 surveillance and, and heavily medicated. Wow. It's so, there's so much pain in that story and so much sadness. Like I feel like crying for you, for that poor man that you attacked that would have just not have seen it coming. No. Um, what happened to the man? Did he survive? He survived, and he, what I what I've been told that he there was a, a bit of damage done, unfortunately. And I wish I could take it back that time. And and I th I think about 
the damage that I, I caused this young man and his family. The young man was just going to work to provide. I, I did reach out to him, but obviously and understandably, he, he did not want a, a part of it. And it's something that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. What happens in the facility um, when you're heavily medicated? What um, are the steps to get you back to your heavily pregnant wife? For those four weeks, I I I couldn't leave the the facility, the psychiatric hospital. I remember taking a lot of medication in the morning, lunch, uh, lunch and at night time. Is I it was a, a dark moment knowing that my my partner was was pregnant and she was at home. I was very fortunate to have support around me. My parents flew over from New Zealand to be with Vanessa and support myself during that difficult time as well. But being, mm. being locked up, being a, pretty much being a professional athlete, living my dreams to six months later, ending up in a psychiatric hospital where suddenly the whole world finds out and it's, it did dampen my, my confidence and my, it brought me back to reality and, and knowing that I, I was in a very dark place and and I and I needed I needed help. So, you have a baby due in two months. I do. What happens after you're discharged? What happened? What What I did was I went straight back to training, and <gasps> although I went straight back to training, and I I I don't know how I did it. So I was on so much medication, my world was tumbling down. But I went back to training and. I managed to to play a, a handful of first grade games again. I don't know how I did it. What? I was so I was so sick, but at that time, uh, the Huddersfield Giants were very supportive of me. My my teammates were supportive, and I I, I managed to get on the field. I I wasn't I wasn't uh, convicted of, of assault. I was I was condemned. Uh, on the mental health act to to be mentally unwell, which I was, and so yeah. I I I went back to training. I went back to playing forty. I played about five or six games, and I I, I couldn't function. So I was on so much medication. I'm expecting to be a father. I think maybe that actually at that time I was a father, and I I don't know how I did it, but I I, I played a handful of games and I, I had to give it away. I wasn't functioning. I wasn't focused when I was on so much medication. I was living in numbness and I had to get my internal world back again. And in 2010, halfway through the season, me and Vanessa uh, decided to move back to Australia and I retired to be with family. Wow. And was it at this time that you were getting married? Yes. At that time, I was still trying to live up to to this ego world and, and uh, no, I lost my sense of self. I was drinking heavily. I started to mingle with the wrong crowd. I started to never touch drugs ever throughout my professional sporting career. I, I took that seriously but because I was, I was in so much pain internally, I was looking for an escape. I, I had started to, to have 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 a nibble and recreational drugs, which I had never done before, and I was anti. But because I was in so much pain, I, I started to 
hang out with the wrong crowds and hanging out with people who weren't actually taking care of me. But that was my choice. That was my choice and decision. What drugs were those? Cocaine. Cocaine, uh, heavily, heavy drinking. And and when you drink excess and you, when you tamper with things that are not good for you, you make poor choices and decisions. So what happened on the wedding day? I, I put on my acting skills throughout the day, so let's, let's not take that out. But internally, I, I, I was empty. I was numb. Uh, I was mentally, physically unwell. But it was two days later when I had a another psychotic episode, something just had taken over me, and and I, my mind was wasn't there. I wasn't. I was in another another place again, full of rage, anger, and being scared. And when you mix scared and anger and and frustrations and and voices, and and I had to be sedated and heavily medicated and and watched. My family had to watch me because uh, the uh, suicidal thoughts and, and were were uh, amongst uh, this these issues. So I, yeah, I, I was watched for for five days, and then I had to be physically put on the plane and physically taken off the plane and straight back to the hospital in New Zealand. So for the first two months of our marriage, I was away from my family. I was away from my my child, and, and at that time my wife, uh, and back to the hospital again, back to square one. So tell me, when you're having this second psychotic episode, are you physically abusive again? How are you presenting to your family members? I, I wouldn't say I was I was physical. I was more so scared and, and trying to control my – I couldn't control these inner voices that I was having. It was, it was more so being scared until then and, and – and being numb and, and not living presently and uh, it was emptiness and just not functioning at all it, 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 pain I was feeling pain everywhere I was crying I was crying I was sad I was I, I had enough of this life my my parents I my parents oh my mum my beautiful mum oh I love it to bits she she listened and 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 she cried with me, and and this is, this is this is years of of closet, you know, all closet, locking it away. So it's just all coming back to me, my my emotions, and 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 they 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 lack confidence, don't don't want to live. Yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time for for all of us. And when you're unwell, you you don't you don't see people caring for you and helping for you. You're caught up. You got your guard up. Yeah yeah yeah. You're trying to protect yourself, and you don't see actually all the love around you, you're so protected. So you have voices twice. They stop in between this year. What are you diagnosed with initially? At that time, back in 2009 and between 2010, the professional doctors diagnosed me at that time with insomnia and bipolar. We were and 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 obviously I had a and, and been had having a psychotic episode, so those were the that was the diagnosis. Looking back at it now, in the position that I am right now, being healthy and, and medication free for the past five years, it was it, I believe it was it was a lot of uh, it was just lacking the self love at that time, and and I let my when you when you 
and you can control your mind, you, you can control your world. And I definitely wasn't controlling my mind at that time, and it really took charge and full flights. Five years, I was heavily medicated. I was getting lithium uh, checks every month. I was on a high dosage of, of lithium and and diazepam and you name it. My my bathroom was full of uh, medication. Uh, and so, in, in a sense, uh, medication's got its place, and, and I fully respect uh, during my during my journey to to health, I I I needed it. But so you still need to work on your mind, and you still got to train and exercise your mind to 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 thinking more positively and, and living presently. And 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 that's what I've I, I've done the past five years, and I continue to do is to work on my craft and to remain healthy and well. And and the universal things, universal gratitude and, and mindfulness and, and 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 exercise and eating good foods. Uh, I, I, I practice what I preach and, and that's what's keep me healthy. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So you get back together with Vanessa, uh, you are back in Australia. Yeah. And do you feel better? I mean, you're still heavily medicated. What is it like when you're back with your little girl and your wife? I, it, it was hard. It was hard because I had been away for two months. It was uh, it was hard for all of us, uh, more so uh, Vanessa and my daughter because they're the ones who were, they were alone in Sydney and, and I had my support in New Zealand and, and it was scary. She didn't know what was going on and because I, I was – Living in numbness, I wasn't communicating with her. It was it was tough, uh, but we 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 had strong uh, during that period of time. And I know those early stages. I, I've just retired from forty. I'm making really good money uh, for, and then all of a sudden, where's <laughs> the income coming in? And so I not only did I have to deal with the the uh, find, trying to find uh, another passion that I had since I was six years old. Now I'm twenty nine, retired. Mentally unwell, heavily medicated. I've got to look after and financially support my my family. What do I do? I've got no trade. I've got no educational backgrounds because I played professional sport at the age of seventeen during the first grade. What do I do? So now I've got to deal with these issues of rediscovering myself whilst under heavy medications. It was tough. It was tough during that time. But I do know that uh, Vanessa was very supportive, and and uh, I didn't feel pressured by her. It was probably more so by, for myself. Because mm, it's a very common trigger for ex-athletes and ex-football players to deal with mental health issues in retirement. Um, so I think that's a really valuable point. There were suicide attempts. When mm. were these? Uh, at that time, I, I had no education other than playing football and and Stephen Kearney was coaching the Premier Eels at the time in 2011, and I wasn't doing nothing, and he offered me a lifeline. So 
been mentally unwell and still heavily medicated, I made the decision against my family's advice to continue playing football. And again, I don't know how I did it, but I got through preseason. In round two, he, he chose me. Again, don't know how, but he chose me. And I, I remember after the football game, during the week, we're training, and I was just so I had enough. I couldn't I couldn't play to the level that I wanted to play at, and 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 that 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 killed me inside. And and the worries of what do I do, how I support my family. I I I remember my last training session like it was yesterday. It was at the Premier Eels headquarters. I drove home. I I had enough. I had enough. Couldn't do it. And I walked into my two bedroom apartment and. And grabbed the chair. I stood on the chair, and that's when I placed a, a noose around my neck. This was over, and I was texting my mum, saying goodbyes to my family, saying my goodbyes. They 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 are screaming, they're crying, and and it was a scary moment for the for all of us. Uh, while I, st- I stood on that chair and and had a noose around my neck, I did see a picture of my daughter Gabrielle, and when I saw that picture, I thought to myself, oh, "Is this the legacy I'm going to leave my daughter?" And that's when I removed the, the noose from, from around my neck and I stood down from the chair. And Vanessa rushed home from work and, and, I, and I was taken to the hospital. And again, back to the hospital, back to square one again. Mm. Gosh. So that was, the end of my, that was the end of my football career, 2011. Was, wow. I want to ask how you, I mean, so much love for your beautiful daughter. How are you parenting? How are you? How? I mean, your oh, daughter's oh, two uh, or, or oh, three? Yeah. Oh, she would have been 2011. She would have been just going on two, one and a half. I, well, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't living. I was there physically. I was there physically. Emotionally, I wasn't there for, for my, my daughter. And I'm just lucky that... Gabrielle, Kaya, my, my daughter had had an amazing wife, and her family were very supportive uh, during that time. And 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 yeah, Vanessa was was doing was doing a lot while I was trying to rediscover myself and, and find myself and going through my my baggage of of issues. So yeah, the support was there for all of us, and and very grateful for that. And understandably, you know that marriage it's taken its toll. You know. Um, and you and Vanessa go your separate ways and you're both in beautiful, loving relationships now. Now we can look back and, and focus on, on what we have now. We were creating two beautiful families. I'm still connected with her family and vice versa. And and I, I, I see her now with a, an awesome man in Ed and, and, and she's been she's, she's, she's happy and, and she's a great mum. And I have the, the utmost uh, love and respect for Vanessa and, and her family. And, and for me too, I, I've, you, you live and you learn. And I've, I've learned from my, my past uh, relationships uh, from Vanessa beforehand. And you, you, you learn and you try and become a better person in, in every single way. And, and that's what I try and do with, with my relationship that I have with my fiance, Trina, who's, who's pregnant and we're expecting a child. And, in two months, uh, I'm blessed to be able to go through this journey again, and to be healthy, and to support my my fiance emotionally, and, and and be there for her. It's a it's, it's it is it's different. I'm I'm grateful for that. I know it's a cliche word, but gratitude works. 
and and being able to to share these new experiences with 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 Trina and her daughter and, and my daughter, it's it is amazing, and I'm truly blessed to to be where I'm at today. Is there any part of you that's nervous because it's new baby's arrival and that was the thing that triggered off the first time, or are you so different and strong? I I am I'm definitely. A difference and, and I guess in in my old age of thirty nine in a couple of weeks I, I'm, <laughs> I'm mature and I am more grateful to to have a better understanding of myself and how my mind works and and I I work diligently to to remain healthy and and well and and knowing that life's not perfect things things happen we get chucked curveballs from time to time. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in, in learning from everything and there's no such thing as failure as long as you learn and keeping those communication talks with your family and loved ones strong and that's the key and also for me is, is sharing and, and delivering uh, my work and, and, and inspiring and empowering others and, 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 and sharing them that you're that nobody's perfect. If there's somebody perfect, hey, send me that direction so I can get them the yeah. autograph. No one's perfect. We've all made our mess ups. But as long yeah. as we learn and and help one another one another out, that's that's the key. We leave every episode with the same question, which is who are you when no one's watching? That is a great question. When nobody's watching, I am, I am me. I am me when no one's watching. I'm grinding. I, I, I make better choices and decisions when I, I am on my own. And that, that is a cool question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, what I found is, uh, I've got another quote that goes with that too. Yeah, do. Uh, do the work even when no one's watching. And I truly mm-hmm. believe that I am in a position that I am in now because I, I, I stay true to myself. When I mess up, I say that I messed up. But I stay true to myself. No, no matter if I walk into a corporate uh, organization or a professional sporting team or I'm going into a prison facility, uh, no matter where I go, I stay true to myself and I just be me and I have through my 39 years of existence, that works. How can you fake mm. being yourself? It's, mm-hmm. it's true. So good. I want to thank you so much for sharing your truth today and that to let everybody know they can find you at internalstrength.nz. I appreciate it, Zoe. Love to the family. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.